0: Chapter two in your Bibles, and pray for Miss Cordia. is going to be going in uh, for another surgery, some more stents in her kidney, and uh, <clears throat> so pray that be nice to pray for just God to heal that and not have to not have to have it. That there'd be a, a way that she could have a reprieve from that. Uh, it's a very painful surgery, and after the recovery. And so pray for her. She's very distraught over the idea and the thought, so continue to pray that God will bless there. It's on the 23rd. Is that what you said, the 23rd? So just around the corner here. So please keep her in prayer, if you will. Um, Also, the Seals family, we mentioned them in Sunday school this morning, um, but uh, Brother Seals went home to be with the Lord on uh, yesterday morning. And so pray for the family there, also for um, the Stockburger family, and the home of Brother Loren Stockburger uh, last week as well. So a lot of things to be praying for. Uh, we've got other folks that have physical problems and ailments. Continue to pray for Linda Craig and her recovery, and uh, that the doctors will know the best course of treatment for her as well. Uh, always continue to pray for Miss June, who still has to undergo treatments from time to time, and... Uh, you gotta start tomorrow again, so pray for that. Uh, we don't think of it often because she doesn't, she never complains. You ever notice that? Uh, so you gotta just keep that in our, our prayer list and keep praying for him, alright? And good to see Brother Dan here, and he's had a few setbacks, but good to see him back here again. Uh, continue to pray for his continued recovery, uh, with the surgery of his knee and, uh, others. Alright, Colossians chapter number 2, if you will. Colossians chapter number (coughs) 2. We'll begin reading verse number 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches, of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of uh, of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ." As ye have therefore received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Father, we pray that You'll bless the message this morning and speak to hearts. I pray that You would help to guide and direct us, and that uh, You will help us to apply the things that we learn. And, Father, so much we are in need of You. We need Your direction. We need Your strength to be able to live the way that You would want us to live. I pray that You would help us to be all that You would want us to be, that we bring honor and glory to You through our lives and through our testimonies, through our service. And, Father, that we would not at all bring uh, a reproach to the things uh, of the Lord, that we would not uh, cause there to be a poor testimony but that we would live in such a way that we would thrive as Christians and strive to be all that we should be for you. And we pray that you'll bless all that we say and do here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take just a moment to mention last week when uh, we were dealing with the idea uh, of uh, not doing the works of the flesh but having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we spent some time dealing on that. And um, uh, one of the things that struck me throughout the week this week, I mentioned it Wednesday night to some folks that were here, um, I, I spent several days having this thought come back to my heart. In fact, uh, one of the nights, I don't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday night, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking on this thought. And, and the thought is this, that um, we we spend a lot of our time uh, preaching and teaching on, uh, standards and, and things we ought not to do or things that we ought to do and we create a list that we outwardly work on. We, we make a, a mental punch list, if you will, and we say, okay, I'm gonna work on this area of my life and work on that area of my life. And, and I, I, I fear sometimes that we spend so much time in trying to become something that Um, We uh, maybe maybe refraining from things we ought not to do. And and by the way, separation is in the Bible, amen? Uh, Holiness is still in the Bible. Uh, There are standards uh, that are still in the Bible, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But my fear is that we spend so much time on the emphasis of those that we spend very little time emphasizing what we ought to be, what we are to be becoming, our heart, our inner man. Uh, that we, when we separate ourselves from the world, that seems to be where we stop. And we tend to pat ourselves on the back and equate our spirituality by what we are not or what we refrain from. But can I tell you this, that the measure of a man's spiritual condition is not by some outward things that he either keeps himself from or does that he knows that he's supposed to do, but the measure of a man's spirituality comes from what he is becoming on the inside. Uh, what his heart is becoming and how he is drawing closer to the Lord. And our world is full of uh, examples of people that name the name of Christ who pride themselves on the fact that they uh, are not a certain thing. When I was a kid, uh, we used to use the saying, I don't uh, drink, smoke, chew, or run with those that do. And the idea being, boy, I'm not something. And, and we, we identified by what we were not. But but I fail to see, in, in the day that we live, I fail to see uh, Christians many times that are thriving in the Christian life. That there's the joy of the Christian life. There's the peace of the Christian life. There's the gentleness, the long-suffering of the Christian life, the fruit of the Spirit that we spoke about last week. And I want to encourage us to think on this thought that while we do need to uh, make sure that our lives are living in a, a way of cleanness and holiness and the, fi- the idea that we're to be separate from the world and that is in scripture, but just as much as that is in scripture that we put the same amount of effort, if not more so, in what we are becoming. A- am I drawing closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is my walk with Him what it should be? Am I as a Christian excited about being a Christian? Uh, sometimes we, we talk about so many things that we're not supposed to do that we get in the molly and think boy, this, this is for the birds I don't like all this but there is great joy in the Christian life the commands of God the standards of God the convictions of God the, the holiness that the Bible speaks of when, when we are what we ought to be are not grievous to us they're not things we look at and say boy, I just I have to do this or I have to do that no, we get to do these things Because we love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. And out of all the things in the world that we want to do, we want to please Him first and foremost. So the things in my life are going to change. Because I know that my will is going to be contrary to His. So I'm going to take my will and I'm going to make it become His. I'm going to say, Lord, I want You to have it. I want You to dictate. I want You to deal with it. That's where the joy comes in. That's where the the excitement, the zeal of the Christian life that the Bible speaks about. The idea of, of of being full and running over and to the place where we cannot hardly contain it. It's at the place when we get to the, to the full surrender and yieldingness of our will to the Lord. Now, I want us to keep that in mind. I, I don't want to re-preach last Sunday's message, but I'm going to tell you, that has been heavy on my heart this week. Uh, because I, I, I know what it is and I understand what it is to preach on standards, and I don't think there's anything at all wrong with that. We certainly want to preach high and hard standards on things here in our church. We believe we ought to be a testimony. We do not want to be a reproach to the cause of Christ or give any reason to bring shame to Him. But on the other side of that coin, I also want to be something. I don't want to just refrain from something. And so I want to encourage you, and we're going to deal a little bit with that uh, this morning with uh, this idea uh, of being in Christ. And when we talk about being in Christ or walking in Christ, and notice it says in verse number 6, "...as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him." How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we walk in Christ, if you will? And uh, I believe that Paul gives us a great, great um, set of instructions here as we get to verse number 7. This is how we walk in Christ. This is how we are in Christ. Uh, not not um, Not just of ourselves trying to shape ourselves and mold ourselves as a hollow shell of something. But to actually be in Christ. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, that that fruit is not something we labor for. It's something that because we are in Christ, it just automatically is part of who we are. To have love, to have joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. To have all of these things be part of what we are and not have to work for them. You ever, you ever say, you know, boy, I, I know I ought to work in this area of my life or that area of my life. And we, think, we find areas that we think we need to deal with. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could walk in such a way with God that all of that just seemed to take care of itself? You know, it's possible. Let's look and see what Paul says here. He's dealing with the church in Colossians, or at Colossae, and uh, he's uh, writing to the Colossians, and he says this about uh, walking in Christ. In verse number 7, he says, "...rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving." Now, we could probably spend three weeks on this one verse. It's so full and, and rich with things. But we're going, to, we're going to cut it down and put it in about a 30-minute message, okay? So if you'll listen quick, we'll talk quick, and we'll try to get it all in here. But I want you to notice, first of all, that he deals with this idea of being rooted. Uh, this is an interesting thought. Uh, we're going to deal with some of the other things that he says here in this verse. But I want you to hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 17. Jeremiah, chapter number 17. Probably one of the things that is most needful in the day that we live is for Christians that name the name of Christ to become rooted in Christ. Uh, This, I believe, is very, very important. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction... For instruction and righteousness. Now, in understanding Scripture, I want you to understand that there are uh, certain principles that were used in the Hebrew writings and in the Greek writings that we don't necessarily follow in English anymore. But uh, they had what was called the law of first mention. In other words, whenever there was a list that was given in Hebrew writing or in Greek writing, in both of those languages, they would always take the thing that was of utmost and the paramount important thing in the list, and they would name it first in the list. Now, understanding that concept, that that's the way these people wrote, when we come to our English translation of this, which I believe is without error and is preserved, and the Lord has uh, preserved every word in our Bible without error. Amen? Uh, That there is no uh, mistake that doctrine is at the top of the list. It is the most important thing. Uh, I was talking with somebody just this week. It's amazing how there are people who can claim to have the same Holy Spirit in their hearts and read the same Scriptures that we do, and yet they can come up with something that is completely opposite or different from what we teach. And the truth is, it's because we do not spend the time and the effort to labor in Scripture and in the Word and in doctrine. One of the great downfalls, I believe, of most the, the average Christian is that we don't see the necessity of laboring and fervency and studying and knowing our Word of God. We, we have in our hands one of the greatest privileges man has ever known. We get to hold a written Word that has come from God Himself. This isn't some a bunch, a bunch of men who wrote. This is something that God verbally spoke and put into the hearts of these men to write, and they wrote every word exactly what God wanted. And you and I have the privilege to hold it in our hands. We have the privilege to read it anytime we want to. The sad fact of the matter is, there's not enough of want to, is there? This rooted is something that I believe is very, very important. If we are to be in Christ, if we're to have the fruit of the Spirit, if we're to be something and grow into something in the inner man, there's got to be something that that we are able to sink roots down into. (coughs) And I want us to look at that. This morning, if you will, Jeremiah chapter number 17, in verse number 5, I've used this passage before a few times, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in... What's the next word here? Man. Keep that in mind here. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh... What's the next word here? Flesh his arm. Now that expression, to make it something your arm, that means your strength, or your the, the, the things you're depending upon. Okay? So maketh flesh his arm, and whose... Heart does what? Departs from the Lord. This would be a man who says, I want my will, not God's will. So we find here that this man, the Bible refers to it as a cursed man. And notice what it says in verse number 6. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. Now the heath bush is a small little desert scrub bush that really does not... um, uh, have any substance to it to speak of. Uh, it springs up quickly, it sends out a few fibrous roots along the surface of the ground because there is not a lot of moisture there, and because it is not rooted well, when the heat of the desert dries it out and the winds of the desert come along, that is not very long before that heath bush is uprooted. We have a lot of them here in the United States. Uh, that are similar to that. If you go out west, I went out west a few years ago, and they actually have signs uh, cautioning you of tumbleweeds and the idea that if you drive over them and it gets hung up under your car, it could create a fire uh, against your exhaust system and things like that you had to be careful of. Things that you were. Uh, they had signs about it and being careful of this thing. And you wonder where all these bushes come from. I remember riding along the interstate and they had a fence there. And you look over to the fence. I had my daughter with me, uh, Alyssa. And she's looking at all these tumbleweeds that lodged up against the fence there. And she said, Dad, there's a bunch of those. And the sad fact of the matter is there are a bunch of those Christian, uh, spiritually speaking, Christians that have sprung up quickly, but their roots have not been sunk deep. And notice what it says here, that he shall be as the heath in the desert and shall not see when what? When good cometh. This is the one that, this is the Christian that you don't ask them how they're doing because you're worried they might tell you. They're they're gonna they're gonna tell you about all the bad stuff in their life. They don't see anything as good. Why? Because they haven't sunk some roots in. They're gonna inhabit the parched places, the Bible says, in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Verse number seven, but it says, Blessed is the man who trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a what? tree. Planted by the waters, that what spreadeth out her roots by the river. These roots are going to seek out the water, the nourishment. They're going to they're there for the long haul. These aren't uh, little shrub bushes. These are trees that have sunk in for a long period of time, and their the roots are going deep, and they're going far, and they're going wide next to the river. And the Bible says this, and shall not and shall not see when what. When the heat cometh. This is a tree that's going to endure it. They're going to go through the battles. They're going to come through the trials of life. Shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. You know, the first sign that a, a tree is not getting enough nourishment is what? It begins to what? What? It begins to wilt and wither, doesn't it? The leaves start turning brown. My dad years ago had a weeping willow tree. My mom loves weeping willow trees. And uh, she wanted one in our front yard. And we planted one. I was a senior in high school, the first one we planted. And it grew. And and boy, it did beautiful the first year or so. And then uh, all of a sudden one day, we noticed that the leaves were starting to turn brown on it. And began to kind of lose a bunch of the leaves. And then my dad pruned some of the limbs back that looked like they were dead. And Boy, before long, there just wasn't much left of this thing. We wondered what was going on with it. And finally, one day, we... Decided we're going to get another weeping willow tree and take that one out and plant it in its place. And we went to go dig this one out and found out that there were a bunch of carpenter ants that had come around the base of that tree and had begun to eat into the stalk of that tree and had cut off its nourishment, the ability for it to gain nutrients up from the ground. And had rotted the tree basically from the inside out. You know, the truth of the matter is, in our lives, many times the nourishment that is so necessary for us to be rooted is cut off because we rot from the inside out. We are not what we should be inwardly. And we find here that this man, who's the blessed man, the one who trusts in the Lord, his hope is in the Lord, is a tree that's planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from what? From from what? Yielding fruit. Now I've said this before and I've taught this before. (coughs) The... The leaf is the outward sign that a tree is not getting nourishment. In a Christian's life, I believe that the Bible teaches us that it is our countenance that is basically that does the same thing. That the countenance shows when we're getting enough nourishment. Uh, there's certainly a priority that trees and plants use uh, when they get nourishment. And I want to take a few moments on this and then we're going to look at how it applies to us spiritually. But a tree will use nourishment, first of all, to simply stay alive. If all it's got is a very, very little bit of water, it's not going to worry about growing. It's not going to try to bear fruit. It's simply going to do all it can to stay alive. And I'll say this, that there are sometimes in the Christian life, times that all I've gotten nourishment-wise was enough to just stay alive. I wasn't growing. There certainly wasn't fruit in my life. And I was just simply staying alive. But if a tree has enough nourishment to stay alive, and it's got enough beyond that to do something more, then it begins to grow. The reason that it grows is so that it can bear not just fruit, but much fruit. My dad years ago bought a uh, a small orange tree in our backyard. A little bitty thing. And uh, nursed that thing, put miracle Grow on it, everything. And I mean, he loved that thing. Wanted some navel oranges off of it. Never did produce naval oranges for the first two or three years and then finally my dad went out there he was talking to it one night and he said if you don't bear fruit this year i'm cutting you down and uh sure enough that that next season the orange blossoms came on the tree and there was one small green orange on that tree never got about maybe an inch and a half two inches big and never ripened but it bore some fruit my dad couldn't cut it down because of that but uh, can I say this, that that tree, certainly, I, I've been in orange groves. I grew up in Florida, and as a kid, we used to hop the fence and, and go over, and if we were hot in the summertime, we'd just grab us a bunch of oranges, sit in the shade of the tree, and eat a bunch of oranges. And man, boy, how good that was on a hot summer day. But I looked at those uh, orange trees when they were in uh, the, the peak of their time and ready to be harvested. There were thousands, I and mean, sometimes it seemed like oranges in one tree. And uh, I could only imagine if that little tree that my dad had in his backyard had tried to bear that kind of fruit, it would have killed the tree. wasn't strong enough for it. It hadn't grown enough. Now, it could bear some fruit, but notice that it took uh, the next uh, priority of its nourishment to grow, to strengthen itself. And if it has enough nourishment to not only stay alive and to grow, then the third thing that it will use its nourishment for is to bear fruit. A tree doesn't labor at bearing fruit. It simply depends on how much nourishment it's getting. How deep its roots have been sunk near the waters. Well, where where are the waters? Where is the spiritual nourishment of the Christian? We find it in our walk with God. The time that we spend in the Scripture that's given for doctrine, to be able to root ourselves in such a way that we're not swayed by every wind of doctrine. We're not like the heath bush that when the, the heat comes and the and the dryness comes and there's opposition and somebody comes and, and tells us something and it's not right with Scripture, we don't know enough doctrine to correct them on it. We don't know enough doctrine to stand fast on that truth. Because we've not rooted ourselves. I'm thankful and I'm more than willing. And I don't ever want a, a member of our church to get the wrong idea. I am more than willing and look forward to the opportunities when people in our church say, Boy, I, I, I talked to this person and, and pastor, you need to go see them so you can answer their questions. And I'm more than happy to do that. But you know something that would really thrill my heart? Is if God's people would say, I want to know this book in such a way that I'm ready to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that is in me. That I'm able to take a lost person who asks me questions, and I don't have to say, "Well, I don't know. You'll have to go talk to my pastor." But that they can sit down and say, "Well, let me show you what God's word says." That's being rooted. That's being in Christ. He said, "Brother Greg, I'm, I'm, boy, I look really good as a Christian because I've got all these standards, and I'm thankful for that." But are we something on the other side of that? Have we become more of walking in the Spirit? Have we become more of being in Christ? The, the thing that God made alive in us the day we got saved. And you have He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That, that vibrancy of the Christian life. Where's where it at? And by the way, can I help you with something here? I, I don't want us to mistake vibrancy of the Christian life with what, what uh, the world looks at and says uh, that's, that's the excitement of the Christian life. <coughs> We have churches today that get up and put on a performance on the platform and they say that's the vibrancy of the Christian life. Can I tell you, my friend, that's an external. That's not the vibrancy of the Christian life. Now, there will be joy in a Christian's life. There will be excitement. There will be fervency in a Christian's life. But that's not what creates the inner man. The inner man has this stuff that is a part of the fruit that it bears. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The fruit of the Spirit. We've got to learn to be rooted. And this walking in the Spirit, this, this being in Christ, comes first of all as we sink our roots deep into the waters of God's Word and of doctrine. This book is good for us. It's something that nourishes us. <clears throat> you can tell by looking at me that I'm not the one to eat most healthy all the time. I I love a good uh, macaroni and cheese and I love fried chicken and uh, anything fried and anything with bacon. Amen? That's good stuff. We're talking, boy, i got more amens out of that than we've had out of the preaching this morning. Ice cream, man, I love that. Now, I like vegetables too. I I like a, a lot of all of that stuff. But can I tell you this? There are some foods that we eat that are good for us. And there are some foods that we eat that are not real good for us. But can I tell you this, when we nourish ourselves on God's Word, every bit of it is good. Can I say this, it's healthy for the Christian. The doctrine, the reproof, the correction, and the instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. doesn't mean without sin, it just means mature. truly furnished. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of you and I that in our service to God, we've been thoroughly furnished? We've got all the things that we need, all the tools at our disposal. We've got the power of God resting upon our lives to accomplish His Word. How does that come? First of all, it comes by being rooted. Notice also in Colossians chapter number 2, if you'll turn back there with me for a moment. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted, notice secondly, to be built up. To be built up in Him. Now, turn with me, hold your place here for a moment, turn with me to First Corinthians chapter number 3. Rooting is, of course, digging our roots down into the ground, but now we're talking about building up. <coughs> First uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, I've said this before, there are three types of people the Bible describes. There's the natural man, and the natural man, the Bible says, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. The natural man is a man who is not saved. He's not trusted Christ as his Savior. The second person that we find is the spiritual man. The spiritual man is one who has gotten saved and is walking in Christ. He is walking in the Spirit. Uh, He's longing after Christ. He's pursuing after Him. He's pressing toward the mark. But there's also a third type of person, and that is what is referred to here in verse number 1 that Paul deals with, and that is the carnal man. The carnal man is a man who has trusted Christ as their Savior, but is still living, instead of the law of liberty unto salvation, he's living under the law of sin and death. He's he's still following after the old man, the old nature. He's saved, he's on his way to heaven, he's trusted Christ for his salvation, but he's still living in such a way that that he's under the law of sin and death. So Paul is dealing with this, as he says, verse number 1, "...and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual..." But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying strife divisions, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal?' Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom he believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So so understand what Paul's getting at here. He said, I I need to be able to speak to you as spiritual, but he said, I can't. You're you're still babes in Christ. You should have been more. You should have been advanced. In fact, he says in verse number number 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto, meaning before this time, you were not able to bear it. And then he goes on to say a very condemning statement. Neither are ye now able to bear it. Can I tell you this? That if you've been saved any length of time at all, you ought to be able to be more on the meat of the Word than you were the day you got saved. There ought to be some growth in the Christian life, some discernment of God's Word that you didn't used to have. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us and teaches us and brings the the, the illumination and the understanding of Scripture more and more as we walk in the Spirit. More and more as we are in Christ. And so we find here is we, this carnal, this idea that, that Paul couldn't speak to them as under uh, spiritual, but as carnal, because they were walking as men. And one of the characteristics was, some of them were saying, well, you know what, bless God, I believe what Paul says. And some of them said, well, we believe what, what uh, Paul says. Some of them said, we believe in Cephas. And then you have the real pious one say, said, well, we just believe in Christ. Now, I want you to understand here. As he gets to verse number seven, he says, "So is neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but what? But God that giveth the what? The increase. You're not going to grow by following Brother Greg. Amen. You're not going to you're not going to grow spiritually because you're a member of Keithah Heights Baptist Church." You're going to grow because you're going to follow God and His Word. He's the one that in our lives gives the increase. This growth. This walk. Now notice what he says here. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And then every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Notice verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's what? Building. You know that you and I are a building that God is building? According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Now if any man build up on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And I tell you this, that there needs to be a building in our lives. A growth. If we are to be in Christ, we cannot just put our ticket to heaven in our back pocket and go on and live our life the same old way that we've always done it. There needs to be a rooting in God's Word. And then there needs to be a building on the foundation. There are people that helped along the way. Paul said, I've... Laid a foundation. Others have built on that foundation. But he said, Take heed how you build on it. Take heed how you build on it. Are we growing in the things of the Lord? Are we depending upon Him to guide us, to direct us, to help us to be more today what we're supposed to be than we were yesterday? We find a lot of Christians that get their salvation taken care of. And then they sit back like like Christians on vacation and enjoy the Christian life. But there's no labor. There's no building upon it. I wasn't going to put this verse in, but let's take a moment to look over in the book of Hebrews. And I think I can find it here. (coughs) Verse chapter number five. Paul is, or the writer of Hebrews, is is dealing with (coughs) uh, the issue of. of Christ being a priest after the order of Melchizedek and some things that He's going to be dealing with here. <clears throat> he makes reference to verse number 10, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and then He goes on to say in verse number 11, of whom we have many things to say. In other words, I would like to teach you more on this. But hard and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. In other words, enough time has passed. You ought to be now teaching others that are new Christians, that are babes in Christ. Don't raise your hand, but you've been saved more than a year? There should be some growth. Have you been saved more than three years? There should be more growth. More than five? At some point along that line, you ought to be at a place where you're teaching others. He says this, the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of what? Have need of what? Milk. And not of strong meat. We're at the age where we ought to be teaching others and on the meat of the Word, and the Bible says this, that there are those that are still, after this period of time, that are still on the milk of the Word. When I had my babies, my kids, <clears throat> Alyssa especially was really bad about this. She loved SpaghettiOs. Y'all like the SpaghettiOs? It's this thing they call a noodle in a round shape and something red that they call tomato sauce. <laughs> I don't really think it is. but And she loved SpaghettiOs. And as a kid, uh, we would try to, Feed her with it, you know. You remember that. You see these, and you put it in the, you have that little uh, plastic covered spoon so it didn't hurt their mouth or their, t- you know, and you stick it in their mouth and about half of it comes back out, right? And then you scrape their, their chin and try to get it all off and it makes more of a mess. They get a little bit older and we start letting them hold the spoon because they want to. And they go to put the spoon in their mouth and they hit their forehead or their eye or their ear because they don't have the good motor skills. And that spaghetti gets all over. She had blonde hair. She's strawberry blonde now. It's because of eating all those uh, SpaghettiOs over the years. And over time, she would do that. And then she'd put her hands in the bowl and just like this and all. And then she, we'd give it to her and we knew. We had to just take her in nothing but a diaper and just let her eat. And then when she was done, straight to the, straight to the tub. Just wash her off, hose her down, you know, get everything off of her. But, you know, she was up here a couple weeks ago. And I took her out to eat. It would have been absolutely ridiculous of me to go to the restaurant and order her some pasta, and the food come, and me to take my spoon out of my shirt coat and say, Okay, open your mouth, Alyssa. You'd look at that and you'd say, Pastor, you're crazy. She's a 22 year old lady. I didn't, I didn't sit there and watch her. She took her hands and went in the pasta and smashed it all over her face and got it all in her hair. You'd say, Brother Greg, that's crazy. She's 22 years old. Because we understand that we ought to be maturing and growing and becoming something more physically. Can I tell you this? It ought to also be true spiritually. It's amazing how many people have been saved a number of years that couldn't even teach a Sunday school class. We've not grown. We've not built on the things that God has given to us. Notice He says this, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of what? Full age. Notice this and don't miss it. It's not just age. If that's where the period was, we would be lost. We wouldn't understand this concept. Notice what He says here. Even those who by reason of Youths have their senses, oh, I hate that word, don't you? Oh, I hate that word. I hate the word exercise. Uh, you can tell I do not like it. I do one sit-up a day and that's enough for me. Why? Because exercise takes some effort. you got to put forth the effort. You're trying to build muscles. You're trying to build strength. You're trying to build coordination. Can I tell you this, that there are those of us that need to take up the spiritual exercise routine of reading God's Word and studying it and learning it and building on the foundation that was begun in us the day we got saved. Now I want you to notice also in Colossians chapter 2, and we'll be done here very quickly, that we're to be rooted, we're to be built up in Him, and then I want you to notice, thirdly, we're to be established in the faith. We're to be established in the faith. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I want us to look at the last verse in the chapter. It was my dad's life verse. In fact, if you go to his, the cemetery where he's buried, on his tombstone is this verse. Therefore my beloved brethren be ye what? steadfast what's the next word? unmovable. Can I tell you this when we don't know our doctrine, it's hard to be unmovable. When we don't know our doctrine, we don't know God's word and the principles of it, it's hard to be steadfast. When trials and problems come, we, we respond and we react ever which way. Because we don't have any instruction, we don't have any direction how we're supposed to respond in that area. But as we are rooted, as we have feasted on the meat of the Word and not just the milk only, it enables us to be steadfast, to not be moved, to be like that tree that the Bible said in Jeremiah chapter number 17 was planted. By the rivers. Spread out its roots. It wasn't going anywhere. It was making itself at home. Can I tell you this? You and I need to make ourselves at home in God's Word. We need to get to the place where we stand right here on this Word and we're not going anywhere. There's not a philosophy that man has that trumps what God's Word has to say. There's not a person out there in the world that is wiser than the wisdom of this book There's not a person out there that has a better answer for my life than this book has. There's not anything out there in this world that can teach me how to live the way that this book can teach me how to live. Therefore, I'm just going to stand on this book. I'm going to be steadfast, unmovable. And then I want you to notice this. Always what? Always what? What does it say there? Verse number 58. Always what? Abounding. In the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Look with me in Colossians chapter 2 and we'll be done. We're to be rooted, we're to be built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, notice this, abounding therein. You know what the word abound means? More than is necessary. More than is necessary. Well, I'll tell you what, Brother Greg, if I need to read my Bible and dig my roots in, I, I, I think ten, 10 minutes a day, I, I'll do the minimum. I'll do the bare minimum. <coughs> well, I'll, I'll go to church and I'll let things be built in my life and I'll let people uh, be an encouragement and help to me along the way and then I'll take care of how I build on my own life and I'll deal with that, but only, only a little bit. Only the minimum. Where's the fervency of the Christian life? Where's, where's, the, where's the idea that I want to become all that I can for the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't want to just be an average Christian. I want to be a Christian that is doing everything I can to pursue after God. I want to long for Him. I want. By the way, if we follow the greatest commandment of Scripture, this won't be a problem for us. The greatest commandment of Scripture says that I'm to love the Lord my God with what? With all of my heart. It's hard for other things to have our heart when all of it is focused on Him. It doesn't take us very long to pursue to be in Christ. To pursue to walk in the Spirit. And not just try to outwardly construct some kind of a form of spirituality that I have constructed myself that is frail at best. And empty on the inside. Well, we're we are living in a day where we have lost the idea and the concept of building the inner man. We have become so focused on the outward of the Christian that we have completely missed the heart. We're creating a bunch of Pharisees today. And I don't mean that meanly or mean-spirited. But all I mean is this. We're, we're focusing so much on building a hollow shell People that look right, smell right, act right, talk right, carry a Bible with them, the right Bible with them. And they are priding themselves and identifying by what they have created rather than by what they are. That we could focus on this being in Christ. Paul said, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so Walk ye in Him. And can I help you with something? If we will do that, the standards will take care of themselves. You can't love God with all of your heart and then go out here and live in such a way that we are displeasing to Him. When we have our hearts walking in the Spirit, we're not going to be leaning one moment towards following His will for our life and in the next moment saying, but I want this. They're contrary to one to the other. We're going to serve one or we're going to serve the other, but we're not going to serve both. And Paul says this, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, As you've been taught, abounding therein more than is necessary. Well, I'm going to take all of my effort, all of my heart, and I'm going to say, God, I don't want my will. I'm not going to try to outwardly be this. I want to be something for you. I want to lean towards you. I want to have my heart for you. I want the inner man to be right. Father, we pray that You'll bless the message this morning and pray that You'll use it. Lord, I don't know in a message like this even how to give the invitation other than that Your Holy Spirit would guide and direct and show each of us how we ought to respond. Lord, I am burdened. I have noticed the frailty of my own will and my own spirit. And I know that it is a battle of the flesh every day. I know the tempting of trying to look like we're something when really the inside and the inner man is not near what we perceive and what we portray on the outward. So, Father, may we work on the heart, on the inner man. May it not be an outward circumcision, but a circumcision of the heart that would cause us to be more of what we ought to be for You. I pray that You'll bless the invitation time. And Lord, use it. If there's someone here today that's not saved, doesn't know if they died, they'd go to heaven, I pray that You would allow them to be convicted by Your Holy Spirit and see that need. They would come forward and let us take the Word of God and show them how they could be saved this morning. Father, we do pray that You'll bless for Christians and help us to be more of what we ought to be for You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me please with heads bowed and eyes closed and we'll have the piano and organ play through a verse or two of invitation. If God spoke in your heart, perhaps you'd come. Are we more focused on trying to be spiritually outward so that people think something of us than we are? More of us than we are? Or is our inner man what we're focusing on? Have we become something that we're supposed to be for Him or are we still on the milk of the Word? Have we labored in rooting ourselves, building ourselves on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, being established on him steadfast. With heads bowed and eyes closed, several have already come, perhaps there'd be others. We don't want to lengthen the invitation for the sake of lengthening it, but we do want to afford time if God's spoken to you. Would you come? your heads in just a moment we dismiss in a word of prayer I do want to mention this very quickly if you did not get uh, one of our new church directory information cards and you'd be willing to be put in the church directory Uh, I've got a few more of these we can leave in the back there Uh, last for.